Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and I break down the big divisional round victory over the Browns and look ahead to this Sunday. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, how concerned should Chiefs fans be in regards to Patrick Mahomes' status for Sunday? You know, I don't think they should worry too much because the feeling seems to be that he's going to play. He remains in the concussion protocol, right? But the sense is that he's going to play. By the time you hear this podcast, we can already know his status for for Sunday. But at the time of my recording, he remains in the concussion protocol. Uh, That means he needs to get through the NFL's five-phase return to participation uh, steps, right? And uh, he needs to be cleared by an independent neurologist in addition to Rick Burkholder and the training staff in Kansas City. So if he can do all that, he plays. If he can't, he sits. It's as simple as that. You don't really need to, to, to go into much else. You know, did he have a concussion? Did he not have a concussion? It really, it really doesn't matter, right? It, it just doesn't matter in terms of the consequence of this upcoming game. Uh, what matters is, can he clear these return to participation protocols? And I mean, so far we're getting every indication that he can. Uh, so, you know, the limited practice, uh, on Wednesday, that that's a big deal. Uh, from the sound of it, he's either in, uh, uh, phase three or phase four. It sounds more like he's in phase four, uh, just by the language that Andy Reid used on Wednesday, uh, uh, saying that, you know, non-contact uh, practice and whatnot. So that's a good sign. I, I think that you'll be hearing from him probably on Friday when the team announces that he'll he'll play. Uh, if, if he has cleared the protocol by then, I, I imagine he will have. But as crazy as it sounds, I think there's another injury, injury situation that fans should be maybe more concerned about than Patrick Mahomes. I, I think... Maybe you're going to call me crazy. You're, you're all going to call me crazy for this. But at the end of the Chiefs game against the Browns, they were dangerously thin at the cornerback position. Uh, right? They uh, <laughs> they they had uh, Bashad Breeland, who entered the concussion protocol and was ruled out late in the game. He's still in the concussion protocol as well. So he's working through it uh, along with Patrick Mahomes there. So... Um, it's one of those things where you just don't know with him. So is Breland going to be available? Did he really have a concussion, right? So it's another concussion situation. But then there's also Rashad Fenton, who missed the game with ankle and foot injuries. And, and those are to two separate legs, too. So he has an ankle on one and a foot on another. So that can't be easy to come come back from. He was limited late in the practice week last week. Uh, he practiced uh, on Wednesday as well. So it, we'll see. He could be back. But suddenly, when Fen- uh, when Fenton, excuse me, when Breland com- goes out, um, it's it's your cornerbacks are Charvarius Ward, Legarius Sneed, Antonio Hamilton, and Bo Pete Keys. Okay, and Sneed, let's let's you know he's not a problem here. He's the best rookie cornerback in the NFL. He literally has the best passer rating remaining of any cornerback in the playoffs. Uh, so he's great. But Charvarius Ward. Uh, Baker Mayfield was picking on him a bit this last game. Uh, he had a good game against the Bills in week six, but, um, you know, you never know. The the, the Browns could, uh, the Bills could see the Browns film and say, okay, we're going to pick on this guy in this game. And then 
Antonio Hamilton, obviously somewhat unproven. He played some snaps early on in the season with the injuries the Chiefs had, played uh, in the slot mostly, and I think that's really his main role uh, with KC if if they needed to use him. And then Bo P. Keys, we saw him in week uh, week 17, but it's pretty clear that he's not ready. He's He still needs some work. He, he looked more like a rookie than, you know, than anyone really on the team. So the secondary has been the strength of this defense, right? And when the Chiefs played the Bills back in week six, they held Josh Allen to less than 130 yards. That's his lowest total of the season. It might be the lowest total of his career, to be honest with you. So if Breland and Fenton aren't healthy and available to play, that's a big, big loss for Kansas City. That could change you know, really how this game turns out. It could become much more of a shootout than that week six game was. And uh, especially dependent on the, the weather conditions. I know that there's supposed to be, I believe uh, last I checked, a 50% chance of rain um, and, you know, uh, probably some windy conditions, some cooler conditions, mid 40s. Uh, but obviously, you know, when it gets late, that, that <laughs> weather, cool air, it tends to drop down. So, I mean, it could could end up, you know, by the middle of the game being around 20 degrees or so. So um, we'll, we'll just see. We'll see. I, I think that that fans should be equally concerned as they are with the Mahomes situation uh, as they are with the, the cornerback situation. What was your takeaway from the Chiefs' defensive performance against a streaking Browns team? Yeah, I thought the defensive performance was about as close to, to perfect as you could ask for for that Chiefs team, right? Really, they're thoroughly dismantling the Browns in every phase of the game before the Mahomes injury. Uh, they allowed just three points in the first two quarters of the game. They weren't letting the running game get going, which, you know, all week leading up to the game, that was the only thing we heard about was Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. And I don't, I don't think Kareem Hunt even got to 10 touches in the game. So uh, they kept coverage. Coverage was great. They kept the coverage real tight, even though Baker Mayfield, look, he made some great throws. Like, there were some throws... Uh, specifically the ones against Charvarius Ward, where Ward was in tight coverage. There's literally nothing more he, he could have done. I mean, he's in perfect position. You know, maybe he gets his hands up a, a, and closer, but, you know, maybe that's a penalty if he does. So, uh, it, you know, tight, tight coverage, about as good a coverage as you could ask for. And then they got pressured on Mayfield when I think it mattered most. Um, and I mean, this defense really, I mean, they're not getting the credit they deserve for the win, right? Everyone's like focused on Chad Henney coming in, being the backup, being the savior, the crazy fourth down, the, the 13 yard run or, or what have you, 12 yard run. And, uh, usually, you know, after, after an opponent converts like a fourth and one, right. That's supposed to take the, the air out of the sails of the defense. You know, you're, you're a little dejected because you had a chance to stop them. You couldn't stop them. Well, that didn't happen in Kansas City, okay? Uh, they give up the, the fourth and one. I think it was a QB sneak uh, to, to Mayfield or whatever. They responded with a tackle for loss from Anthony Hitchens, a blitz from Dirty Dan, which forced an incomplete pass. I mean, he almost got home on that. And it was, it was I think, a screen pass, and, and he came from the opposite side there. Um, and then Charvarius Ward, he stopped a two-yard dump off to Kareem Hunt. And, I mean, let's give it to Charvarius Ward there. Kareem Hunt, we know he's not a tough tackle, okay? Or not an easy tackle, I should say. Like, he, he's a guy who breaks that first tackle, like, like nine times out of ten. He didn't break the first tackle. Ward got him on the ground. He went low. He got him on the ground and forced them to punt. And, and they put the balls into the hands of, uh, of Chenny, 
uh, Chenny, Henny, Chad Henny, <laughs> Chenny, uh, Chad Henny in the offense. Okay, so I, again, I, I think I talked about this a little bit in our uh, in our morning after article, uh, but I feel like the injury to Mahomes it helped everyone pick up their game just a little bit, just a, a, a notch. They kicked it up a notch to quote Emeril Lagasse here. Uh, the same way that that they did kind of in 2019 when Mahomes goes down with the kneecap uh, against the Broncos, right? It, it made this team rally around each other in a way that they didn't necessarily do when the best player in football was quarterbacking the team. And uh, I feel like the defense in particular, they're going to be better for it. Uh, the skill guys on offense and the offensive line next week too, they'll be better for it. But I think the defense is really starting to come into their own. And look, the whole goal since uh, since Steve Spagnuolo came here was to make this defense a unit that helps this team win games. Not just be the reason that they don't lose, all right? Not be the reason that they lose, kind of like they were in 2018, D Ford, <coughs> cough, cough. But um, to be the reason they are winning football games. And I think that uh, this week against the Bills, they're going to have a chance to show that. They're going to have a chance to really show that this is an elite defensive unit in the NFL right now and that they can help this team win, help this team get back to a Super Bowl. Do you believe the Bills are a better team since their week six meeting in a regular season? Yeah, they're certainly a different team. Okay, and I do think some individual players are healthy and performing better than they were back in week six. But I'm not sure that collectively they're that much better than they were back in week six. And I don't know if that's a hot take or not, uh, but that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Now, one guy who is healthy and back, and I think he will make a big difference, is linebacker Matt Milano. He's like their defensive leader, their signal caller. He wears the green dot. And I think he adds some juice to the run defense that they did not have uh, when Kansas City was was uh, out there in Buffalo in week six. I'm not sure we can expect the same nearly 250-yard rushing performance out of the Chiefs' offense this week. Uh, obviously, they've got some big-time talent in that defensive secondary, too, with uh, Trey White and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And, and that's really why I think they leaned on that that rushing game uh, in that, that Week 6 performance. But I think the Chiefs also recognized that without Matt Milano in there, that defense uh, is not as stout uh, in the middle and that you can really uh, you could really run the ball against them. So um, on offense, obviously you've got Josh Allen playing as good as any quarterback in the NFL right now. I think it was Chris Jones uh, yesterday uh, who said he's having an MVP like uh, like year, which, you know, high praise uh, from, you know, a guy that's got Patrick Mahomes on his team. Right. Um, and, uh, Allen's connection with Stefan Diggs. I mean, I am not sure if any receiver quarterback combo has looked better this year. Um, so that's, that's the high praise for me there. All of that said, I think the chiefs are also better than they were back in week six. I feel like they're the more resilient team to Buffalo. I th- think they can handle more adversity throughout the course of a, of a 60 minute football game than Buffalo can. And I also think that their experience in the last three AFC title games is going to make a big difference. This is a, a, a young football team that is just now having success in this season. Um, and, you know, we, we have to see how they're able to respond to that, right? It took the Chiefs, 
you know, that loss in 2018 to realize, okay, hey, this is where we need to get better to make sure that we we get to the Super Bowl and we win it. So I think they might, the Bills are, are due for that moment, right? Um, and I think that's what we're going to find out uh, when they play here in the AFC title game later this week. How likely is Clyde Edwards-Alaire to play a significant role in the offense, assuming he returns this Sunday? Yeah, so even if Edwards-Alaire uh, plays, I, and that's not a given at this point, right? I think we're looking at Daryl Williams and the Daryl Williams show from here on out, right? He's the uh, proven hot hand right now, and I think the Chiefs are intent on riding him until he's not the hot hand, right? I mean, stylistically speaking, Williams really fits what the Chiefs want to do right now. He runs physical in between the tackles. He was perfect catching the ball against the Browns, and frankly, he's been really good catching the ball over the course of his career with Kansas City. He only has a few drops or, or you know, even uh, throws where, where they were uncatchable passes. And then he's their best pass protector. We've learned that throughout the season. So he's the epitome of a three-down running back. He doesn't really have to come out um, – and, and, you know, probably won't come out even with Clyde Edwards Lair back in the mix. So uh, when Edwards Lair was in practice on Wednesday of last week, his ankles were heavily taped up and uh, they dialed him back after one day of practice. We know that he practiced on Wednesday, right? So even if he does go, I, I think he'll be on a pitch count of sorts, right? Because these uh, high ankle sprains, they're tough to come back from. And uh, it seemed to be affecting him this past week. Uh, he might even split work with Le'Veon Bell for those number two duties as they kind of ease him back in and uh, and just keep going with Williams. I, I mean, I think Andy Reid kind of said it this last week. The, the reason he went with Williams is because Williams was hot from that Week 16 game. They wanted to ride the, the hot hand, and uh, I, I just don't see him going away from, from that uh, ideology uh, unless, uh, again, unless they kind of stuff him up uh, here come Sunday. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Well, if anyone missed the uh, written version of your interview with the uh, great Chiefs running back, Jamal Charles, uh, start there because it was fantastic. Personally, I loved uh, he kind of went in on Matt Castle there uh, uh, on uh, on one of those questions you asked him. I, I don't know if he really intended to, to go in on <laughs> Castle as hard as he did, but oof. Uh, yeah, so uh, and then obviously we've got a ton of content recapping uh, the divisional round win over the Browns. There's a bunch of information on the site on the developing situation surround, pat, surrounding uh, Patrick Mahomes and his game status. Um, so that that's up there. And, uh, yeah, I hope we'll have more information on that um, probably later today. And then if you're uh, already eyeballing 2021, we're going to have some new info uh, on the salary cap uh, situation, uh, probably posted yesterday afternoon. We'll see. And uh, there's a lot of preview content coming out over the next few days with the matchup with the Buffalo Bills. Um, so be on the lookout for, for all of that. And, uh, yeah, I, man, are, are we as excited as ever for this AFC title game? Three in a row, man. It's impressive. The, the most uh, in AFC history, most consecutive AFC championship games by a team in AFC history. Let's make it four next season. Let's let's run it back, Chiefs Kingdom. Run it back. 
As always, we appreciate uh, everyone who listens to the show and visits the site each and every week. You guys are the greatest, and we couldn't do it without you. You know what we say here at the end. Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com, and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. It is that time, and it's time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable as we now get a chance to break down a divisional round victory over the Cleveland Browns. I'm here with Mitch Carty, Talon Graff. Guys, it, 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 it's got a little scary towards the end of that game against the Browns, obviously with the Mahomes injury. I just want to get a quick, just your quick reaction to when you saw Mahomes go down in the third quarter. Like, what was running through your minds? Uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you. What was going on as you were watching uh, Mahomes being taken off the field? I mean, yeah, it's scary. I mean, I think everybody in Kansas City, and I, and I think I speak for all of us, you know, we, uh, you know, we appreciate Patrick Mahomes for everything he's done for Kansas City. You know, and it was just really scary seeing him kind of stumble there. You know, I wasn't really too concerned about the game at the moment. I was more concerned about Patrick Mahomes' health because anytime a player is stumbling like that, you know, your first thought is, oh, my God, is this guy going to be able to play, like, ever again? I mean, it's just a really scary moment. Um, you know, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, he looked okay, you know, running off the field. Um, I don't know if he's going to play next week, but, I mean, it was really, you know, just scary for his health, um, you know. But about the game specifically, um, you know, I thought the Chiefs had a good enough lead at the time that, hey, I, I had enough trust in Chad Henney that he can get the job done. Um, and so I wasn't really too nervous about the game. I got a little nervous there at the end, but, you know, when Patrick Mahomes first went out, I, I felt okay about the team's chances still. But I was just more concerned about his health. Yeah. Um, I share those sentiments uh, with, with Mitch that, yeah, when that happened, especially, you know, any player, but a guy the you know, the, that everybody knows and Patrick Mahomes, it, it, it was definitely scary. And um, definitely there was moments, you know, where it was like, all right, football doesn't matter. Super Bowls don't matter. What is going on with number 15? We got to make sure this guy's all right. Um, so, yeah, so it was definitely a kind of a down to earth, like bring you back to reality kind of moment, like what really matters and all that stuff. But um, yeah, he seemed okay. Um, you know, I, I know there's like different theories going around, but rather it really is a concussion, rather it was like a like a choking out type of thing with the carotid artery. You know, there's so many different things going on, but um, at, the, at the end of the day, all that matters is that he's healthy. And and I, you know, if playing in the AFC Championship is going to jeopardize his health, you know, long term in any way, I, I don't know if that's the right path to take. But you know, we'll cross that bridge if it comes. I agree with both of you guys. It, it was. You know, you're watching the game. Obviously, it's a huge game. You want to see Mahomes um, out there. But watching him being um, taken off the field and and not looking like himself, because we're all kind of used to a little swagger from Mahomes, even if he takes a big hit or if he's injured, he kind of won't, like, show it too much. But, uh, you know, see the guy not really in control of what he was doing, just trying to walk and maneuver around was a scary sight. And uh, it, it football took a back seat for a minute. You know, this is a guy that – um. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that care about him, not just in his family, but that a part of Chiefs' kingdom that want to see him okay. So 
you know, so far it's looking promising for him, that, you know, in terms of him in protocol right now. But uh, it's, it, it should be interesting to see what happens. But uh, we do have to actually talk about the fact that Chad Henney did come in the game. And at least in my opinion, he seemed a bit shaky. He didn't seem um, as secure as I would have hoped for him to be in this type of situation. But like I said, this is just me. Uh, Talon, what are your thoughts on the way that um, that Henny uh, performed? And obviously, he threw an interception in that game. You know, I'm pleased as punch <laughs> with the way that Henny performed. Um, you know, when they came out and you know they immediately were just committed to running the ball with Henny in there. Um, and when that happened, that actually made me a little bit nervous because it's like, all right, if we're running the ball this much, they really don't want to put the ball in Henny's hands, and that made me a little nervous. Um, so I don't know if that was just a coaching tactic to try to get, you know, get his feet wet. Let's get some reps in him, you know, whatever, you know, first, first playoff game in, in 13 years for the guy. Um, but no, thank goodness they played week 17 and he got that under his belt. He had a, a game just, you know, two weeks prior, you know, had he sat the bench the entire season and then his first action is, is in that moment. I don't know if it's different. It might be, um, you know, I will never know, but you know, I think, that that week 17 game is going to had a big factor in Henny's performance. Um, yeah. With the interception, he bounced back really nicely and then made two of the biggest plays that will go down in chiefs folklore forever. And, and Henny has his name tied to those. So yeah, I, I am, there's nothing more that I, I would have asked from him. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty happy with his performance. I mean, he did what was asked of him. Um, of course he had the, those late game heroics, like Talon just said, the fourth down conversion and that third and long scramble. Um, but even before that interception, he was playing pretty well. He was just, doing what, you know, he was asked to do. Um, and then he, he had that interception, which was just, you know, I don't really know what he was thinking. I mean, it was first and 25. That's not really a shot you take if you're Chad Henney. Um, he, he doesn't have the arm strength for that. So I don't know what he saw or, what the coaches told him. Um, but I mean, like, otherwise, besides that play, he played very, pretty well. Um, he did what was asked of him, and he, you know, there's, not, there's not much more you can ask from a backup quarterback, in my opinion. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, you know, and if he has to play next Sunday, I think that, um, you know, those mistakes won't be made again. I don't think he'll make another play like he did on that first and 25 interception. Um, I think he'll be a little bit smarter and a little bit more conservative. But, uh, you know, I think he did enough to get the job done. And, uh, you know, we should be happy that he's our backup. Okay, you guys obviously saw it in a lot more of a brighter um, view than I did. You know, I, I like Chad Henney. I think he is a he is a good backup. But uh, there were some times, other than that throw, it was like you could tell they just want to run the ball. They, they, they don't have the full trust in him that you would think they were having a veteran quarterback. So that's the thing that kind of got me a little bit watching it. Now, on the other side of the ball, the defense made some big plays. Obviously, Terran Matthew had an interception. Uh, Baker Mayfield really couldn't – he couldn't have a consistent flow of, um, of, of his, usual, like, his usual offense. He seemed a little disrupted half the time. What do you think was the difference in regards to Spagnolo's? Uh, defensive schemes in helping uh, shut down the high-powered uh, Browns offense. Mitch, what are your thoughts? You know, I think he did a good job. I think what really helped was, you know, the Chiefs kind of got that early lead, you know, and it forced the Browns to, you know, lean on Baker a little bit more. You know, I know the Browns' biggest, you know, strength is running the ball. So I think just, you know, the Chiefs getting, a, you know, an early lead was a big help. And then uh, 
later on in the game, the Chiefs pressure really started affecting Baker Mayfield, especially on that last drive. Chris Jones made a fantastic play, forcing Baker just to throw that ball a little bit early. So I just think, you know, with just the early lead and the Chiefs able, you know, their pass rush kind of coming alive there at the end was a really big help to, you know, slowing down that Browns offense. Yeah, I, I felt like, you know, kind of what you were saying, Ed, the Browns didn't seem like they were on their game, especially in the first half. You know, Kareem Hunt had, I think, zero touches. Um, they really didn't run the ball that much, and they were trying to, you know, whatever they were trying to do in the first half just wasn't working. Um, but, yeah, but then the second half, they started getting into the running game more. Nick Chubb started getting in rhythm. Kareem Hunt started getting touches. Um, so, yeah, so what I think – what it was was that that first half really gave the chiefs enough cushion and that interception by Tyran right at the beginning of the second half. I think those two things combined are the, are the true reason uh, the chiefs are the winners in this game, because you take away, you know, if the Browns come out running the ball like they did in the second half, they do that in the first half and Tyron Matthew didn't make that interception. I, I think it's a different ball game to be honest with you. So I think it was just key moments uh, a key play by Tyrant and just, uh, uh, you know, not so sure what the Browns were doing in the first half that really allowed the Chiefs to do that. Um, but I will say, I've been hard on them all year. Chris Jones had a hell of a game. And uh, and going against that offensive line of the Browns is no easy task. But the strength of the defense is the defensive line for the Chiefs. And Chris Jones led that way. And, uh, and, and the defensive line played tremendous. They definitely did. They put a lot of pressure on the um, on Mayfield and just helped change the way they were trying to approach the offense in that game. Now, a, bi- a big controversial play in that game was uh, the hit that ended up being a touchback. I believe it was Daniel Sorensen with the hit, led in with his helmet. They didn't call it a penalty. When I saw the play, originally I thought they were going to call a penalty right away. I'm surprised that nothing was called. Talon, when you saw that play happen, what were you thinking? Uh, in the moment, I thought bang, bang, didn't really occur to me of any, you know, chance of a helmet-helmet contact or anything. I just thought it was a great play by Daniel and a really bad break for the Browns. Uh, and I do agree with most people that that, that rule is pretty questionable. Um, but we can get into that if we want to later. But, yeah, in the moment when it happened, I didn't think it was an illegal hit. But the replay slowing it down, you know, obviously when you look at stuff frame by frame, of course, yeah, it, 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 it was an illegal hit. It, Based on the rule, it was an illegal hit. Um, was Dan out to be dirty? No. Was it a dirty play? No. It was just a bang-bang goal line type of play, and it just didn't bounce the Browns way. Um, but, yeah, that's in my opinion, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree with what Talon said. I don't think Dirty Dan was trying to be dirty. I think, uh, you know, he was just making a hustle play, and it just happened to happen like that. I mean, yeah, that, that is an illegal hit but I don't think he did it on purpose. It just kind of happened like that. Um, uh, it was just a really good hustle play. Unfortunately, it worked out in the Chiefs' favor. Um, you know, it sucks if you're a Browns fan, but that's just kind of what happens. I mean, if you look at every play in slow-mo, you're going to find something like that. Like, there's something that illegal happens every play. There's always going to be a penalty. The refs can't call everything, especially when it's something as fast as that. So, um, you know, I don't really think, you know, Browns fans should be complaining too much saying this game was like stolen from them or, you know, you know, the rest screwed them over because like there's stuff that happens every game, every play like that. So it's just one of those things where it just happens, you know, it sucks, but you just kind of got to get over it and, you know, and hope, hope for, for a better, better luck next time. 
mean, it's easy for us to obviously look at it from this point of view and say, well, you know what, this this moment didn't cost the Browns the game. They had plenty of opportunities, but of course, Cleveland fans are going to be pointing at this as they point at several other situations and past playoff games as a reason why they lost the game. So I feel like this won't be the last time you hear about this play. Now, a thing that has been on my mind, and and yes, it's it's a it's an odd back and forth when it comes to uh, Harrison Butker and his effectiveness to see, his effective excuse me his effectiveness this season. You know, he made the uh, fifty yard field goal, which was a, a record at Arrowhead for a playoff game, but he's still struggling with the little chip shot field goals and a point after attempts. He missed his seven for the year already. Mitch, should we be concerned with Harrison Butker? Because it seems like, you know, the whole setup on special team, they still don't have it correct. It's still an issue with the snap and the whole field goal attempt. So what are your thoughts on that, Mitch? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to come off too harsh, but I'm kind of getting tired of this. I mean, uh, Harrison Butker is supposed to be one of the best kickers in the NFL. I mean, like, it was, you know, just earlier this season, you know, early on this season, we were like, Harrison Booker might be the best kicker or the second best kicker behind Justin Tucker. And then again and again, he's just kind of let us down. I know he's just missing extra points, which maybe in the grand scheme of things, that's not that big of a deal. But in these playoff games, it matters. Like, if he would have made that extra point and that uh, 33-yard field goal that he missed, this would have been a completely different game. The Chiefs wouldn't have had to worry as much about, you know, only being up by one by one possession. So I think, you know, he's got to get this figured out uh, before next week whenever we play the Bills, especially if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. Because we've got to get every point we can get. Uh, so he's got to get this figured out. I mean, we just signed the dude to a contract extension. So, like, he's got to, you know, make that money worth it. So, I don't know. I'm just getting a little tired of this conversation because I want our kicker to be consistent, you know, and, you know, at least make his extra points. Like, I understand him missing, like, a 50-yard field goal or, you know, something like more than that. But, like, missing these extra points is is a big deal. And, you know, I would hate for us to bite that in the – bite us in the butt. Yeah. Um, We do need to get that figured out and figured out pretty quickly. But – and, Mitch, I do understand where you're coming from 100%. It is – has been one of the most frustrating things about this team all season. Um, but, yeah, yeah, he missed that field goal and he missed the extra point. But had he, you know, what 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 if he doesn't make those three field goals? You know, you can say those missed points, but you can also say without him or without his contributions and his makes, it's also a loss. You know, you can look at it either way. Because, um, you know, the, the, the especially that missed field goal – after the Tyran interception was big, um, that was a clutch kick. And I don't know if it's – it's tough to say he's not good at clutch kicks because, I mean, that's what kind of got him on this track, right, was that, was that charger kick. So, I, I don't know what the issue is. I, I don't know. I can't – you know, I, I, I want to find out. Tobe's a great special teams coach. Um, you know, and, and Mitch alluded to it earlier in the season about Tommy Townsend being the new holder you'd think that had been figured out by now, you know, this far into the season, but I don't know if there's still issues there. I don't know what it is, but someone needs to figure it out, but it's not me. You know what, Talon? I kind of wish it was you to be the one to help figure it out, man, because this is just been going on all season. And, uh, you know, Harrison Bucker, as much as he is appreciated in, in Kansas city, 
the guy has to be consistent and it's a it's a tough one that he's gonna have to deal with for a while if he doesn't um if he doesn't come through in his AFC title game. But uh speaking of the AFC title game, we know the Chiefs are playing the Buffalo Bills. And I do want to look back at a little bit what the Bills did in that game against the Ravens, uh, how they shut down Lamar Jackson for most of the game. That defense has taken it to another level, in my opinion, towards the end of this season. This is not the same Bills team that we played in uh, week six. Talon, what are your thoughts on the Bills and how much better they've gotten over the past couple of months? Um, yeah, I, I don't – man. I don't, I don't want to just argue for argument's sake, but I, I also don't necessarily agree with the sentiment that the Bills are that much better of a team than they were uh, back in week six. You know, when you look at them before their bye week, which occurred in week 10, they went into it going seven and three. Well, they obviously haven't lost since. But when you look at their schedule past their bye, they played uh, one playoff team, and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was probably arguably one of the worst playoff teams. So really, they didn't play anybody in that last second half of the of the season to really test them. So when they get rolling like that, obviously it's going to gain a lot of people's attention. Now, when you we went into Wildcard Weekend and they show up against the Colts, and everybody kind of expected the Bills to to really come in and control that game from start to finish, and that didn't happen. And, and it kind of I feel like exposed the Bills a little bit. Well, then they come out and shut down Lamar Jackson, which the Chiefs have done multiple uh, multiple times. The Ravens. Uh, it, we've seen them in the playoffs. We know what they are. I don't know. I And I've been like an advocate for the Bills since the beginning of the season. But now that here we are and everybody's starting to kind of hype them up, I'm like, okay, like they are good. They're, they're, they are the second best team in the AFC. That is true. But they're still not as good as the Chiefs. So I, I'm not that afraid of them. I think the Chiefs come in, handle business uh, as long as Patrick Mahomes is in there. Now that's a whole different story if it's Chad Henney. Um, but, no, if Chiefs are full force, it's the Chiefs' game to lose. The Bills are still the second-best team in the AFC. Yeah, and I totally agree with Talon. I mean, the Bills are – they're a good defense. I don't want to say they're, like, a great defense or anything like that because, like Talon said, they haven't really played anybody since since their bye. Um, but also, you know, they're, they're very well coached. I really like Sean McDermott. So I think Andy Reid's going to really have to maybe open the playbook up a lot and, you know, have a really good coaching, a really good coaching game, especially if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. But, you know, I'm interested in this matchup. The last time these two teams played, the Chiefs kind of did whatever they want. Well, actually, they just ran the ball all over them. I don't even think Patrick Mahomes threw the ball very much. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they do, especially if Patrick Mahomes plays and, you know, like what he's able to do against that defense. And it's very interesting to bring up that they haven't played a playoff team uh, since their bye. The only playoff team were the Steelers, and this was the Steelers that were uh, struggling at that point. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up in sort of a rematch right now. But then you look at the at quarterback, they got Josh Allen, who's been playing very well. Stephon Diggs uh, broke so many records for the Bills in his first season. If you're the if you're Spagnuolo, you you got a great game plan going going against the Browns. How do you adjust to go against a guy like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and a, a different sorts of weapons that they have with the Bills? How do you make those adjustments, uh, Mitch? What do you think? I mean, it's really hard to. I mean, Josh Allen is. A, you know, he's obviously not going to win the MVP this year, but, you know, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You got Stephon Diggs, who is a top three receiver in the NFL this year, in my opinion. He's been fantastic. Uh, you know, 
I have trust in the Chiefs' defense. I think the biggest thing is it's just getting to Josh Allen. I know that's easier said than done. But, you know, you just got to make him uncomfortable, make sure that, you know, they're not running the ball over them. I think the biggest thing is is the Chiefs getting that early lead again. I know, you, you know, Josh Allen can do a lot with his arm. But, you know, I think Spags has done enough to – kind of stop some of these top other these other top quarterbacks in the league that he'll figure something out uh Chris Jones and Frank Clark gotta show up um it'll be interesting to see what they do at, uh at corner especially if Breland isn't able to play because he's also in the concussion protocol but you know Snead has been a baller all season so you know I maybe putting him on digs um you know, throughout the game, it might be a smart idea just because, you know, every time you see Snead on the field, he's just making plays. But, I mean, this is a really good offense. Um, so, Spags is just going to have to come up with a good game plan to, you know, get to Allen and make sure that he's uncomfortable throughout the whole game. Yeah, the, uh, Diggs and Allen are definitely the keys to this offense. Uh, Diggs has been one of the better, you know, trade free agent acquisitions the NFL has seen in probably the last 15 years. Um, but, you know, the Chiefs have done it. But, yeah, the biggest question mark is the cornerback depth. You know, Fenton, is he going to be able to go? Uh, as Mitch said, Breland, he's, he's going through the concussion protocol. You're relying on guys like Traverius Ward, who has struggled this year, LeJarrius Sneed, who is a rookie. Um, even though he's been playing excellent, he's still a rookie. So, you know, you're, you're starting to really get thin at cornerback, and it's start, starting to be an issue now because you're facing one of the best quarterback-receiver tandems in the league. Um, so how do you adjust that? You know, obviously it's, it's all within scheme. You gotta, you have to take away their number one. You have to take away digs. How do you do that? How can you do that? It can, you do that. I don't think you can, but you have to come up with a way to so somehow slow him down, force Allen to go to different receivers and force other guys to beat you. Do not allow digs to beat you. And, uh, for most of the NFL, that's been easier said than done. Um, how digs has been, he's, pretty much had big games throughout the entire season. But um, it, just speaking of big games, I do want to look back at what went down during week six. I don't know if you guys uh, remember, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire had basically a career game in that matchup. And there is a, a strong possibility that he will be cleared to, uh, to come back to the lineup. So having Clyde Edwards-Alaire back at running back, do you think that is the, the, what's needed in terms of the Chiefs to continue that running game because he is the key at the end of the day in regards to what he's been all season. Talent, what are your thoughts on Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, coming back to the lineup and making an impact? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if CEH is able to go, it's obviously a big boost to the running game. Um, but I think where it lies, the importance is the offensive line. And I feel like the offensive line that Kansas City had in week six just isn't the same offensive line anymore. Uh, and that, that scares me a little bit. You know, I don't think it's going to be as easy to run on this defense this time around just because of the offensive line issues that the Chiefs are running to um, since week six. But, yeah, if CEH is in there, it obviously adds a different element. It adds more depth. It adds fresher legs. Um, Daryl Williams has look, looked really good last week, so I, I am excited to see him You know, keep rolling. And if CEH is back, that's only going to help Daryl Williams because it's just, like I said, fresher legs. And then Le'Veon Bell get to him in, in certain situations where you feel like he's going to help you out. Um, yeah, so obviously CEH come back is a big deal. Yeah, the uh, the one thing I'll add to that is I don't know how healthy Clyde is. I know he's practicing and all that stuff, but, I mean, if you just look back at that injury, it looked really bad. So I'm just surprised he's playing in general. 
Um, but, you know, just like Callan said, just some fresh legs would be a big help, even if he's in there just in a limited role and Daryl continues to kind of be that number one back, um, you know, and maybe they just put Clyde in there in a couple of situations, you know, maybe in the passing game or something like that. But uh, I think he would be a big help, especially, you know, he had that success against the Bills earlier this year. So maybe he's able to do that again, even if he's not quite 100 percent. Everything helps. And, you know, for a guy who has so much success in that game, you, you want him back in the lineup. Obviously, he's not going to be playing at 100%. But let's be honest, no one's, um, no one's playing at 100% in the playoffs at this point. Everyone's just kind of gutting it out and uh, seeing what they can do. So it'll be interesting to see CEH back in the lineup. Now, since, we're like I said, we're talking about this game uh, this Sunday. It is the late game. Who is your X factor going into this game? And uh, especially when you look at, we look at two teams that have played each other before. They're not in the same division. So there is some sort of familiarity right there. Who do you feel like is the player that can, uh, that can really change things on the Chiefs side? Uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Legereus Sneed. Um, we've seen this guy make big plays all season. Um, he's going to be going against a really talented arm in Josh Allen, so I'd like to see him get mashed up just to Stephon Diggs, maybe covering him and see if he can make that big play. I think even though he's a rookie, he's going to be a guy that sticks around in this league for a long time, and I think this could be a really good statement game for him. So, you know, I think he can be that X factor. You know, you've seen him, you know, be able to sack the quarterback. You've seen him be, be able to make, get turnover. So this would be a, a great opportunity for him, you know, and I think he could be a really big help uh, you know, getting that those turnovers that way the Chiefs can move on to the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with Daryl Williams. Uh, he had he looked great against the Browns. He was the driving force of the running game. Uh, and if Ceh is able to go or not able to go, Daryl Williams is going to have a big part in that running game. Uh, so I'm looking to him to to really be the driving force because he's right now arguably you know when you when you look at health and you look at um, you know, everything, you know, talent and, and, and recent production, all that combined, he's probably the best running back on the roster right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what he can do in a, in a, in a you know, a Daryl Williams type of situation, right? Let's see if he can really pull that through like a 26 did for us last year. Let's see if 31 can do it. You know what? I, I do like Daryl Williams. I, I was a guy I was thinking about possibly being my X factor, but since we've been so tough with him on this show, and I feel like it's needed, and, you know, you want the dramatics of it. How about Harrison Butker with possibly the game winner in this one? You know, it, we want something for to try and help eliminate all the stuff that we remember about him this season for the seven miss, uh, missed point-after attempts and the missed field goals. It would be big for his confidence, and, and I think it would be, a, you know, good for the whole story in regards to this season. Harrison Butker would be the guy to kick him back into another Super Bowl. So. That's just that's hopes right there. That's uh, that's what you can only hope can happen. But uh, since we are making predictions, how about we actually predict who's going to win and the final score? Talon, you're up first. All right, I'm going into this thinking Mahomes is a full go. Uh, so I'm saying the Chiefs get the victory, go back to the Super Bowl, and they're going to beat the Bills, twenty-seven to twenty-three. Okay, I like that. We'll just assume that Patrick Mahomes is playing. I think he's going to be able to be able to go from what we've seen this week. 
Uh, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game between two really good offenses. Josh Allen is one of the top quarterbacks in this league, um, but Patrick Mahomes is just a little bit better. So I got the Chiefs winning 37-34. to 34. I think it's just going to be a really high-scoring high scoring game between two good offenses. You know, I do think it's going to be high-scoring, and I still want to stay with my Harrison Bucker game winner. So I'm going to go with Chiefs winning 27-24. There will be a little defense being played. Um, with Mahomes, and, and once again, I'm also assuming Mahomes will play in this game as well. With CEH, it will be back and forth. Uh, this Bills team, I'm giving them a little bit more credit than you guys were. And uh, I think they, um, they, they still have the ability, still have some playmakers on defense. And uh, it should be a fun matchup. It, it should really be interesting to see how everything will come together in that situation. All right, guys, so... Because we touched on this last week, Talon, I'm going to go with you on this one. Did you uh, have a, your special routine work for you this past Sunday? It did. Uh, I was very comfortable. had my feet up, had the game going. Um, and, and really, I didn't feel nervous until Patrick got hurt. Like, that was when the nerves set in. Um, other than that, I was like, it, the Chiefs are in control. Everything's going well. Like, you know, it's okay. But, yeah, the routine worked out well. And, hey, we're going back to the AFC Championship. Call me crazy, Ed, but did you make a prediction, or did I miss that? I did make a prediction. I had predicted the uh, Chiefs win 27-24. Oh, okay. I must have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's okay, man. It's okay, you know. Listen, people don't listen for my opinion here. It's more for you guys, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, oh, now, come on now. Come on now. Don't be doing me like that. <laughs> it is all good. But, uh, yeah, so I have them going 27-24. And uh, I think it's going to be an interesting um, mashup. Now, for me, like, I, you know, you guys talked about what you do traditionally and everything. I traditionally sit down, I watch the game, and, you know, I don't want to be that guy. And I don't know if you're like this talent, but I don't channel surf when the game is on. Like, I, I keep it on one channel. That's it. I don't care if it's halftime, whatever. If it's a big game, I refuse to channel surf because I feel like if I channel surf, it's going to affect the outcome of the game. That's my superstition. So I don't, you know, <laughs> 100% on the same page. Yes. You, that, that's an unwritten rule. It's something you don't do. Yes. hundred percent. You, if you're watching a game, that's the game you're watching. Now I, like, if it's not the chiefs, yeah, I'll flip. Cause I have Sunday tickets. So I'll flip between whatever, you know, markets I want to see, but if it's the chiefs game or a big game like this. Yeah. You keep it on that channel from start to finish. Definitely. And uh, Tal, I have one more question before we go. Um, as you know, the rounds of uh, interviews continue to happen for head coaches. Eric Bieniemy has been considered um, a, a possible head coach for several teams. But uh, so far, we haven't heard anything in regards to him being hired, and we've seen some other guys come off the board. What do you think uh, – are you surprised by the fact that Eric Bieniemy is not being like – he's not like on a short list of uh, a lot of teams? Yeah. I am, and I don't know what the reasoning behind the enemy not being able to get a job is. Um, you know, we saw the same thing last year, and the only thing I can think of, there's a couple of things that I narrowed it down to in my head, was he's either just a bad interviewer um, or that teams are just want to make a move and get a guy in the building and they're not willing to wait for the Chiefs' playoff run to end. Now, if you really want a guy, like I, I think you're willing to wait two, three weeks or whatever, but I don't know. I don't know if that has any sort of factor in decision-making because you look at this, everybody that's been hired are able to get in the building, start working, you know, get things done. With the enemy, you're, you're having to wait. 
you know, for possibly to the end of the Super Bowl. No idea if that's even a deciding factor, but in my head, I thought maybe. Uh, so, yeah, bad interviewer or what I, you know, the whole waiting for the hire. Uh, I mean, my thing is, if a guy's in the Super Bowl coaching in the Super Bowl, he's worth the wait. I, I feel like right? that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? That should go without saying. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I, like I said, I'm surprised. I saw some of the names that came off the board, and I, I'm like, okay, I, I guess that's the way they're going to go. I, the Atlanta Falcons, I'm just looking at them. I, I, that one threw me off, you know? So, but once again, a lot of these organizations, they kind of have guys in mind, and they don't really care about who's on the hot list of who should be hired, you know? So, we'll see what happens, but I, I think Bietami does eventually come off the board. But uh, we still want to watch the Chiefs, and uh, we'll see what happens going through – going to the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a process. And uh, this Sunday will be a process, but we are all looking forward to it. Once again, it'll be the Chiefs taking on the Bills at Arrowhead Stadium, AFC title game, Chiefs one win away from another Super Bowl opportunity. So for uh, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, Ahmed Easton Jr., check us out next week. Go Chiefs. Yeah, we saw you fired up after the third down run, man. Take me through that play, uh, what your thought process was, and just kind of the emotions of that play. Yeah, I mean, just going through the, my progressions, I kind of felt the pocket collapse after, you know, a certain amount of time. And, um, you know, I looked over at the sideline, felt I had a lot of running room, and, uh, you know, just try to make, you know, the first down, you know, as much as possible. And, you know, put my head down. Team, This team's given me so much, so I put my body out, body out there for them. Go next to Vahe Gregorian. Go ahead, Vahe. Hey, Chad. Uh, two questions, Brad. I'll follow up with the second one. But uh, first of all, I, I wonder if you could describe the feeling when, when you know Patrick's hurt and you're going in in a hurry. Obviously, you're prepared, but but there must be some kind of adrenaline rush uh, coming over you at that point, too. Yeah, it's definitely a big adrenaline rush. Um, obviously, you never want to see a guy like Patrick go down. Um, obviously, you know, one of the best players in the league. But that's why I'm here, you know, coming prepared. Um, there's a lot of great players around me uh, that made me feel confident. And, uh, you know, just went in there and try to take what the defense gave me and uh, make some plays while doing that. And this might be hard to measure, but but how much sharper or more ready do you think you might have been because you played a couple weeks ago? Yeah, definitely uh, felt a lot more comfortable out there playing the last game of the season against the Chargers. Uh, full week of preparation, um, you know, feeling the pockets, especially as a quarterback, is very important, especially if you haven't been there in a while. But um, felt confident. I mean, there's a lot of playmakers out there and, um, you know, just great opportunity for me to get out there and, you know, see some guys make some plays. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Chad, uh, you played a lot of football, but I'm guessing you would probably call tonight's game and particularly the, the last couple plays highlights of your career. What, what kept you going? What told you through all those years when you weren't playing that it was going to happen for you and someday you were going to make some plays to help win a playoff game? I just think uh, just my personality. I'm always a, a competitor. And uh, throughout the years, you know, if it you know, went my way or didn't go my way, I just felt like I loved the game still. Love being around the locker room and uh, especially coming here uh, just enlightened me. I mean, Coach Reed and his staff and the players here 
um, just brought out a lot of me and especially Patrick to see all of his success. And he's helped me out more than I feel like he, I helped him. And um, it's just a pleasure to be here. And this is why this is why I play. And I prepare each and every week uh, to go out there and be the best me and, you know, just have fun with the guys. Next to Todd Lebo. Go ahead, Todd. First off, I got a couple of quick ones. First off, have you had a chance to talk to Patrick? How's he doing? And secondly, when, you, when you're lined up there, you know you're going for the fourth down play. Everyone on TV thinks you're not. They think you're just going to try to draw them off and punt it. Did you think the Browns thought you guys were going to go for it when you got right down there to, when you snapped the ball? Yeah, for, so for your first question, and talk to Patrick after the locker room. Uh, he's in good spirits. Uh, obviously, we'll see with everything, you know, all the testing for him tomorrow, but um, he's in good spirits. And, um, you know, for that last play, um, you know, we knew, not that we knew, but film studies showed that they were going to be in man coverage. And, um, you know, we had to play. We talked about the play Saturday night, Patrick and I, and uh, the coaching staff go over the plays that we like. And uh, when I came to the sideline, it was one of the plays that we picked and uh, we felt confident in that play. And, you know, one-on-one -on -one matchup with Tyreek Hill, uh, majority of the time he's going to win. And he did a great route and I just had to put the ball where it needed to be. Let's go next to Steve Walls. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, what's happening, Chad? Uh, not sure if you're on uh, social media, but the hashtag anything is possible seems to be taking flight. Uh, Patrick has even tweeted it after the game. But talk about the brotherhood, your teammates and the love that, uh, of your teammates and the love that they show for you. Yeah, I mean, other than uh, LinkedIn, I don't think hashtag uh, any given Sunday or Sunday or any given possible is going to show up on LinkedIn. But um, no, um, it's great for him to have confidence. Just like I said before, the, once I got in the, that huddle, everybody had confidence in me. You know, they were they were pushing for me, had my back. And um, this is a great team. It's a great opportunity to go out there and play with this team and, uh, you know, come out with a victory. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Chad, can you just explain the, the thought process of the second down? Was it sort of told to you if it wasn't there to take the stack, to keep the clock running? And then what was your initial read on the third down play and, and what kind of gave you confidence to sort of scramble out? As in, uh, oh, I got you. Yeah, so uh, it was just a miscue. Uh, the second down play, um, we just had a miscue on the route. Um, the, the play wasn't there once I felt like there was a misrun uh, route. I just got off it and just, you know, did the best I could protect the ball. And then on the third down play, um, you know, they did a great job. They, they covered our, our, you know, major routes out there with Kelsey and Tyreek and, um, you know, had the field covered. I felt the uh, pocket collapse and saw a lot of running space and, you know, just went out there, checked the chains and, you know, try to get the first down if I could. Go next to Pete Sweeney. Go to Pete. Congrats, Chad, on, on the win and, and the play. I was curious what exactly is going through your mind when you complete it to Hill and he's able to stay in bounds and it sort of sets in that you've pulled this off and you guys are going to advance. Yeah, I mean, obviously full excitement. I mean, we knew first down wins the game. And um, like I said before, we love to play, uh, love the matchup. And uh, for me, you know, it's just he won the route and just put the ball where it needed to be. And we're a smart team. You know, coach is always reminding us in the headset, hey, first down's game, don't go out of bounds, stay in bounds. And Tyreek made a smart play there. And, uh, you know, icing on the cake. We'll go last to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. Brett, I'll follow up for this. Chad, for you, you guys have taken everybody's best shot for 16 weeks. How did that mentally prepare you guys for what you experienced today with the ups and downs? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the games, a lot of close games, uh, this team's definitely resilient uh, down in some games in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we come back and win or the defense, you know, gets a big stop for us and we get the ball back and a chance to win as well. But um, definitely resilient and those tough games and the best shot that we got from every team is definitely going to help us push through uh, facing good Buffalo team this week. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be up for it. But same thing, just back to the board be prepared and uh, you know, we'll give them our best shot just like they'll give us uh, theirs. And I'm curious for you, have you got to talk to your family? What did it mean for your family to see you in those big moments help propel them to the 30 FC championship? Yeah, I haven't gotten uh, to talk to him yet, but uh, we'll be excited. I know uh, my wife and kids at home, you know, go home, give them a big hug. And like I said, we'll enjoy it tonight and then back to work tomorrow. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.